helps me develop context. I don't know if anything helps me understand more than context. Maybe, I guess, but it is important and it's helpful to me regardless what it is I'm trying to understand. Appreciated the song. Uh, appreciated the song we just sang. There's a sweet spirit in this place. It's a powerful song. In a very different way, isn't it? When you think of powerful, power, dunamis, Paul would say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the dunamis, it is the power of God. We get our word dynamite from that. We just pronounce the upsilon as a I, but Dunamis, dynamite. When you think of power, do you think of that? What number was that, brother? 250. 50? Well, I thought that, was it 250? I thought, two, I had 250 in my head, and I thought, no, that's the last one we sang. Eight eighty-two. I mean, I've sang that long song for most of my life. If you were think gonna think about songs that communicate power. Would you think about that? There's sweet expressions on each face. I know it's the presence of the Lord. Stay here with us, filling us with your love. Hmm. Is that very powerful? If God were to fill you with his love, is that powerful? Anything from God's powerful. Might be uh, more powerful the more we consider it. As we've been talking about understanding Scripture, and you can turn in your Bibles over to the Gospel of John. I point this out to people, and I realize computers are changing so many things, but 
for illustration purposes, when I'm talking about a puzzle, y'all understand puzzles, jigsaw puzzles. Anybody in here work puzzles? Jigsaw puzzles? Cardboard cut into funny little shapes, right? Well, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about what you could do with computer-generated stuff. But if you're working a puzzle, what's the first, what's the first pieces you're looking for? You want a straight edge somewhere on there, right? You know, not a very good puzzle drawer, but if I find a piece looks like that, where do I, do I know where it goes? I don't, I don't know exactly where it goes, but I know some of where it goes, don't I? I got four choices, might be 375 pieces in those four choices, but it's going on an edge, isn't it? And what if you have, I mean, every once in a while, you got to have a piece. I guess it probably got a little leg there since, you know, you got a little piece. And it may look kind of like that, right? You have any idea where that goes? Now you did whittle it down to four, sure enough, didn't you? This, well, see, that's my. I see what you're saying, sister. So you were just jumping ahead on the illustration. And this one's not any better, so I get you. But if this is a corner, now it is. No, that's one of four pieces. This is what I was trying to make the corner out of. So I told you it wasn't very good. If I could draw as good as my wife or my daughter, I'd draw all the time. No, there's just one of four places that goes. We don't know that. You do too know that. You do know that. And so you're looking for all the straight edge pieces you can get and you're looking for corner pieces. And then you're thinking about what is this a picture of. I've never put one together, at least the first time, that I didn't have a picture of it. And so if it's a, a scene out in nature that doesn't have anything man's done on it, you know, in this corner piece, we'll put a little C on that, for that's our corner piece. If that's a corner piece and it's blue, where do you figure it goes? at the top of the puzzle. So now you're down to two, it's gotta be left or right. Or if it's green. We're figuring it's at the bottom. There's not gonna be anything green at the top probably. And you look at your picture, okay. So all of that to say, it's, it's not, There are some things in scripture you may not know exactly, but if you'll, if you'll figure out things you know for sure, then they start, they start to help you. And when you get this part, 
When you get that part of your puzzle done now, what? You can go to town now. Now. And then after you get this part done, then what do you start looking for? Pieces that what? Are all the same color. You get all them in a little pile over here, and you get, okay. If you don't, you have to look through all 5,000 pieces. You have to pick up every single piece to see if it's blue. Now turn it up where you can see the paint, pick out, and then you start figuring. Blue ones probably go up here, because that's what the copy shows. Okay, and you start sorting things out. Well, as we're seeking to understand scripture, this is what I call framing it in. And if you can frame, if you can take a text and you can get it framed in, that helps you a whole lot with all this stuff in here. And people stay up at night and people split churches and people marriages fall apart because of stuff people have put together in here and they never did get the framework right. We need the framework. Let's get the framework in place and see what's it showing us. So our framework for the Gospel of John, we've talked about that a good bit, uh, is the first 18 verses. That's the framework. I'm just presenting that to you. We're just, we're just, I'm just presenting that to you. I've been reading the Gospel of John for 30 years, and this is what I've come up with. That he frames in everything he's got to say, he frames it in in these first 18 verses. So I was recommending to you be reading the Gospel of John. There is absolute, absolutely no substitute for reading the text. People just don't want to do that. It's too much. We would rather just treat the Bible like a dictionary. I just look up whatever I'm after, find the word, find all the verses I can with that word in there. Well, that's something. I don't know what. But I'm ignoring the framework of the writer. Because John wrote this letter to the church and I'm sure at this point he's well aware that Matthew, Mark, and Luke have already been written. But he didn't write this letter and the church had to have a copy of Mark so they could understand this letter. And they take this letter and the letter Mark wrote and they jumble them all up and come up with... You can do that with the scripture but you never will hear what John was saying and since these 27 historical documents we call the New Testament and that is objectively what they are even people that don't believe in God if they would be honest at all I mean there, it's something what is it I haven't been everywhere. I've been to the British Museum. I've looked at the Codex uh, Alexandrinus, the Codex Sinaiticus. I've looked at all of I put my, that's, that's like third, early fourth century. That's not the manuscript copies, brothers and sisters. That's people gathered this up from worldwide and made a book. 
the word codex. This is, this is the whole Bible put together by third or fourth century A.D. And when we start talking about is this the word of God, I'm going to hold people's uh, feet to the fire of that. But it's not the word of God, then what is it? Give it what's undeniably true. It's ancient historical documents. And if you want to start looking at fragmented copies that we have, now you're all the way back to within a generation of when they're written. By 94 AD, everything but a couple of verses, I think, in 1 Thessalonians are, are able to be found in other letters that people are reading, writing, quoting the text. Well, something's got to be around a long time before people are quoting it. And when people from all four corners of the globe start quoting it, and everything they're quoting all says the same thing, and when you have manuscript copies in all four corners of the globe, and every time you find a manuscript copy, it says the same thing as one thousands of miles away, and these people had nothing to do with each other other than the documents they possessed, and these documents say the same thing. What do you start drawing a conclusion of? There was an original that everybody made the copies of, and they took their time and did it. That's kind of a side note. I'm talking to people who believe this is the word of God, but we live in the most of a world that doesn't automatically believe that, and so it's good for us to know it and, and reassure people. This is truth. So, in this letter of truth that John gives us by inspiration, he gives us all this information in the first 18 verses about Jesus, and I recommended to read that. Read that every time before you start reading other stuff in the gospel. Why would we do that? Because if I, what I'm telling you is true, there's something in the narrative that you're going to read that's on down here from the end of chapter 1 following to 21. If what I'm telling you is true, then it's going to undergird and explain what he already said. So we looked through some stuff there Sunday, and Jesus calls these guys to follow him. And they do. Now the Jews of Jerusalem, verse 19, the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him, talking about John the Baptist, uh, who he was. And he did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I'm not the Christ. And they asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? I'm not. Are you the prophet? No. And finally they said, who are you? Give us an answer to those, uh, to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet. I mean, he's going to quote the Bible about himself here. That ought to do, shouldn't it? I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now, that's either true or it's not. John either quoted it from Isaiah or he didn't, and he did. And John's either in the habit of lying or he's not, and he wasn't. And what he said was the truth. But already, John just jumps in here in verse 19. What's he talking about? What's the principle going on here? What's he giving us a picture of? 
And then, and then the few verses following. Make straight the way of the Lord. Verse 24. Now some Pharisees who had been, uh, who had been sent questioned him, why do you baptize if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize you with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He's the one who comes after me, the, song, the thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. And this all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. John's preaching to people. What's John preaching about? Somewhere in the first 18 verses, what's John the Baptist preaching about? There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as, he came as a witness to testify concerning the light. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Is John filling this in? Is he filling this out? That's why he's telling you the story. Here's, here's what happened. God sent John to talk about Jesus being the light. And John did that. Here's the reality of what happened. Is anybody believing what John the Baptist said? Just at this point right here in these first dozen verses. I don't know. You think the Jewish leaders are believing him? Doesn't sound like to me the Jewish leaders are believing him, are they? Mm -mm. Hmm. Now, you know, y'all have read Matthew 21 and, you know, Jesus clears temple again and they said, Matthew 21 is all about authority, by the way. And they said, well, you're going to tell us right now by what authority you're doing these things. Aside from the simple fact you just did it, you just cleared 40 acres that was full of thousands and thousands. You just cleared all that. One, really? Where'd you get the authority to do that? He said, I'll answer your question if you'll answer me this. John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or was it from man? Mm. Pharisees said, well, he's got us here, boys. Because if we say heaven, then he's going to say, then why on earth did you not submit to it? And if we say from men, all the people are going to get mad and stone us because they know good and well John's talking for God. We just ignore it because we don't like what he says. He doesn't build us up and promote us. He doesn't see things the way we see them. He's not doing, he's not in the temple being a priest like he's supposed to be. He was a baby, he was a baby uh, born to Zechariah and Elizabeth. His father's a priest. Guess what John's supposed to do? He's supposed to be a priest. That's how you don't run out of priests. Big priests keep having baby priests. But he's not a priest. He's out in the country preaching everybody to repent. Nobody wants to hear that. In regard to the Jewish leadership, is John making a point of that? Mm -hmm. Did John come and testify? Uh -huh. Did John the Apostle already tell you over here in the first three, four, or five verses that John came to testify? Yeah. And then he says stuff like, though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. 
He came to that which was his own. But his own would not receive him. Hmm. So the next day, verse 29, uh, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. So he's giving to his disciples, those that are listening to him, a fuller explanation than he gave the Pharisees, but he's telling them the same thing. I myself didn't know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. He came to that which was his own. Did God reveal Jesus to Israel? Yeah, yeah. Through who? John the Baptist. What was he? Prophet talking directly from God. Jesus said, Matthew 11, I'll tell you, he was a prophet. What would you come out here to hear? Is John a prophet? That's a rhetorical question. They, they knew. He said, I'll tell you what, he was a prophet. And matter of fact, he was more than a prophet. Ain't nobody ever said what John the Baptist said. His ministry was short. It was Jesus-oriented. Christ-oriented. And then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven and, as a dove and remain on him. And I would not have known him except the one who sent me to baptize with water told me. The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain. I'm thinking about this whole time we're singing that song. I think it's interesting. Come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. So what's this historical narrative? That's what we just read. What's that? What's John giving you tangible, fleshed-out proof of? John the Baptist came, and he's got a sermon, and he's got a duty, and he preaches his sermon, and he does his duty, and he points out Jesus, and some people believe him, and some people don't. That's going to be a continuing thing through the Gospel of John. He came to that which was his own, Here's the frame in. He came to that which was his own, but his own wouldn't receive him. So nobody received him? No, some people did. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Outside of Jesus Christ, nobody has a right to be a covenant-related child of God today. That's true. So is John fleshing this out for us? Uh-huh. I wish somebody would follow him, don't you? The next day, verse 35, John was there again with two of his disciples. If they're John's disciples, then they don't have a problem with sermons that say, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, the kingdom of God is near. They don't have a problem with that. They're willing to do that. They're fully counting on it. They believe what John teaches and says. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And when two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus, turning around. He saw them following. So would it be possible for people to hear John's testimony about Jesus and then take up following Jesus? Uh-huh. You got a historical example. That's exactly what just happened right here. When I say what's going on in principle, that's what I'm talking about. 
What's going on in principle? John the Baptist is, is preaching and teaching. Some people are not listening to him. Some people are. The people who are listening to John, some of them wind up following who? Jesus. And people who have no intention of listening to John, it wouldn't matter if John was taller, nicer, leaner, skinnier, sweeter. They don't want to listen. They don't care. They don't want to hear. So they're not going to follow. But people listening will follow. And when the disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Listening. What am I talking about? Do you want to do? Do we want to take the Gospel of John and see Jesus more clearly? Do we want to see how he's like? Do we want to see how he's like? And then do we want to let the truth that God gives him about us? Are we willing for that to dynamically and specifically change and guide our lives? Isn't this nice? These people started following Jesus. You know what it's going to cost them? No, you know what it's going to cost them? Think. Ooh. I'm glad they didn't state that right off. Nobody might have. You know, I think some of them would have followed him anyway. And turning around, Jesus saw them following him. They're seeking him is what they're doing. And turning around, he asked, what do you want? What do you want? Here's a frame-in question. This frames in the Gospel of John. This frames in what am I going to pull out of the Gospel of John? What do you want? What Jesus bring? Y'all gave me some more. Y'all read the first 18 verses Sunday. Y'all remember that? If you don't, I'll give you 30 seconds to scan the first 18 verses. What Jesus, what's some stuff Jesus brought? What's some stuff, what's some big things that are in those first 18 verses? Life. Light. The word. The word. Is John when John John the Baptist is talking, is that is that God talking? Mm-hmm. He's prophet. He's mouthpiece of God. He's representing God. Children and grace and truth. All of that. See, light, light from God. Now we're not talking about cosmic light, though he created everything. Are we talking about power? You can't have more power than to be the creator of all things. And you decide in your brain, you're just going to follow after him, and he's going to turn right around and look at you and say, guess what? What do you want? Because he's collecting data. He ain't collecting data. John's going to say here, you can throw a rock from right there to where John's going to say, Jesus didn't need anybody's testimony about anything. He already knew what was in a man. Did he already know what these guys want? Yeah. 
And since he's not doing a survey, why'd he ask them? There's not a parent in here that doesn't know the answer to that. How many of y'all ever asked your children questions you already knew the answer to? Why are y'all doing that? Why y'all do that for? You're trying to get the data. No, anything to do with the data. You're getting them to think. What time is it? It's time for you to buy a watch, Dad. You don't know what. No, that's not the question. The question is not really about the time. The question is about the curfew. So now we're down to the principle. He asked them a question and he already knows the What do you want? Well, what's that going to do for him? Well, I don't know, but it's important. It's got something to do. He didn't waste time. And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? They didn't even answer his question. Is that interesting? The Lamb of God. I testify that he is the Son of God. If you ever get to ask him a question, first one is where are you staying? Where are you staying? Verse 39, this is huge. What did Jesus say? I could tell you, it's not, it's not the data. Now you're going to have to come on if you want to see. Where's the Lord staying right now? Are you after him? Are you seeking him? Aren't you? I'm not asking that to be judgmental. I'm not, well, you're not seeking enough. I, he didn't say seek him enough. He just said seek him. He didn't say come here enough. He just said, come on. Come. Not enough. Come. And you'll see. And if you don't come, then I could tell you, you'll never see. You'll never see. Grace. Truth. Fullness, light, life, power. If we don't come, we'll never see. What do we want? I just want to see. I just want to see. I had a very difficult I don't even know how long. Large percentage of my death. Very difficult. Very difficult. Very difficult. Wasn't anything difficult but me. And I got away from it all, and I turned on a light, and I sat in a chair. 
and I opened the book in God's presence to this. All the stuff, I would say that I was about to lose it over, but I'll be honest with you, I kind of lost it this morning. Not really, I have all kinds of levels of that, but and here my sweet wife is caught up in that whirlwind. I don't like being in whirlwind. I hate it when innocent people get in my whirlwind. I've been studying this for basically 30 years. And I never cease to be amazed. Life is a breath away. It's just a few words away. He just keeps finding people and they just keep following him. Why? What evidence do they really have? Well, we've given you time of approval. They ain't given him time of approval. What evidence do they have? Testimony from God by John. Now let's count all the miracles John the Baptist did. Multiply that times wherever you want to, it's still zero. He did, he performed no miraculous sign. So what's he doing? Talking, quoting scripture, preaching. Wasn't doing a very good job of it. Oh, he's doing plenty of good job of it, I guess. Some people's listening. He, what he's saying is making too much sense and they start listening and he starts pointing out the Lamb of God, the Son of God. And they trust in him. And Jesus said, come, and they did. And guess what they're going to do? They're going to see. They're going to see. What is it like when God comes here? When the one who is the source of life, when the, when the God of eternal life, the God of light, what is it like when he comes here? They're facing a sea, and they did see. Whether you're teaching people or you're dealing with yourself, there are just going to be times where people don't see. Yet, what happened to me today when I sat down in the chair? I don't know this. I know this. I know exactly what the text is going to say for it said it. Then why am I over here in a swivet? Why am I over here in an emotional whirlwind created from my my own desire and and frustration of I didn't get what I wanted, when I wanted it. What, what is all that mess? That sounds more like chaos, confusion, and darkness than it does light. 
This is what it looks like when a light of the world comes in to the darkness. It's so interesting. It's so practical. We'll just... No, we won't. We'll just do this real quick. But I'm, I'm trying to do my best not to go farther than I want to. Here's 11 verses right here in chapter 2. Guess how powerful they are. These next 11 verses in chapter 2 is where we're headed. These next 11 verses could absolutely, positively change your life so that it would never, ever be the same again. Guess what the framework is for that to happen? Framework principles. Just be honest and ask yourself, what do you want? I just want to fix my neighbor, fix this church, fix my, fix my wife, fix my husband, or fix my attitude. I didn't sit down in a chair today and, and I'm just going to fix my attitude. No, that don't get it done. I sat down in a chair today with a determination Just believe and listen. Framework principle. Believe. Is that how you spell believe? Okay, good. If I have misspelled something, y'all, we got to work out some kind of code, y'all, because I, I do... I don't so much when I'm writing, but I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> I got telling you, because Jeff can't stand have word misspelled. You know, I understand it. Believe. That's my question to you. The next eleven verses, are you going to believe them, or are you just going to argue about it? This this letter is not a polemic. That's college word for argue. It's not an argument. I guess you could say what it is is evidence. Now, I don't... See, I read the first 18 verses today. What on earth has the first 18 verses got to do with chapter 2, verse 1 through 11? Let's just read them. On the third day... It was either the third day or it wasn't. Note the historical facts here. There's not anything else on the planet like the Bible. If this wedding wasn't on the third day, then somebody prove it and you can throw the whole thing in the trash. Now, when it's written within the generation that these things took place and there's hundreds upon hundreds and thousands upon thousands of eyewitnesses and this wedding wasn't on the third day, then you can chunk the whole thing. You don't give specific details. That's what the police are looking for when they pull you over and they got flashlights in everybody's eyes and they're asking all these people all these questions. They want times, places, specific events, specific people. Why? Because if you're lying, it'll be about 30 seconds and they'll be all over it. So, on the third day, a wedding took place in Cana, at Cana in Galilee. 
Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the wedding. And when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. Chapter 7, he'll say that phrase right there at least three, four times. One more if you'll go into chapter 8. That We'll talk about that later. My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood some stone water jars, the kind that, uh, used by the Jews for ceremonial washing. So he writes this letter to Gentiles, evidently Gentile Christians, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. So, you know, this is split at the middle, that's 150 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. And then he told them, Draw some water out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. And the master of the banquet, we're in verse 9, and the master of the banquet, he tasted the water that had been turned into wine. Now, he did not realize where it had come from. He came to the world. The world didn't recognize him. He came to his own. His own wouldn't receive him. He, he didn't realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Now think about that. I can't smell anything. When we moved up here, we had, you know, the proverbial poor people, uh, ice chest full of stuff and all that and, I left four or five packs of cheese in there and some lunch meat and stuff. Yeah, I found it yesterday. <laughs> no, my wife did. Ask her about it. Bless my heart. She's, oh my goodness. Praise the Lord. I ain't smelt it yet. Oh, kind of, kind of. When I first started, I thought, yeah, okay. You know, I didn't want anything out of there, but, you know. I could, I'm just saying this really happened. Then he called the bridegroom aside and he said, everyone, if he's the master of the banquet here, if he's running things, he knows how this is. He said, everybody brings out the choice, the good wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have drunk freely after they've had their senses dulled. That's when they bring the cheaper wine out. But that's not what you did. He said, you have saved the best wine till now. And then John just says this, this is the first of his miraculous signs that Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. This is the beginning. This is the first. He thus revealed his what? His glory. And his disciples. Verse 11, most important thing here. He just revealed his glory. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth, the apostle said in chapter 1. 
No, we saw it. We stand. This is eyewitness account. You find you pointed out the scripture. The New Testament just says, check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Not just to us. It said that to the people to whom it was written. Check it out. Check it out. He didn't give a big, long speech. He didn't give a big, long lecture. He physically did a very practical thing in Jewish life. Are weddings important to Jews? Yeah, it's a big deal. Is it a big deal to run out of wine? Mm -hmm. The principle of what he did, what did he do in principle? In principle, what did he do? What am, I, what am I, what did he do? I'm looking for the creator of the universe. What did he do? I know he changed water to wine. Well, what's the principle? Is water enough? Water is not enough. Water is totally inadequate. It's totally inadequate. It shows everybody messed up. This is not good. Looks like we hate marriage, not like we love it. What on earth? I think I want to know how much 150 gallons of really good wine is worth. I bet it's more than a little bit. When you got a guy who tastes wine and does all that stuff for a living and he's like, where on earth did you get this? I would know if there was somebody making wine. Where did you, what, what happened? And the servants over there just shuffling their feet going, are you kidding me? What's going on? Really? He took a situation, a practical situation not a situation that, that leaned on him and looked for him. He just took a situation that was totally inadequate, that was embarrassing, that, that no glory was going to be brought to God. In fact, everybody's going to be fussing and gripping the whole time about what are we doing and God's people are failing. And if Jewish people are failing, what's happened? What's their covenant with God? How much wine will they have if they're obedient to God. They're the richest people on the planet. That's his covenant with them. You run out of something? You don't have any children? Something's wrong. Jesus comes into this situation and he takes what is worthless for the event, what doesn't matter, and I don't know what they're thinking when it's the ceremonial washing. Is he going to purify something? What on? We didn't. He just said put water in there. He didn't say go through the process. You're not putting ceremonial living water in these jars. Now we're going to have to redo the jars. When what on earth is? There's no. This doesn't make sense to anybody but him. But those people did what he said do. And guess what winds up happening? People see him differently on a dime. And they don't ever get over it. His, because, because his disciples were willing, come on and see. 
What are we gonna do? Well, first thing we're gonna do is go up here to a wedding feast, and y'all are like, we're trying to we're trying to establish a Messiah here, and we're what on earth are we doing at a wedding? Guys hate to go to weddings. Well, they just do. That's not first on anybody. That's not, they're not, oh yeah, now we're really, now we're really saving the world. What are we doing now at a wedding? What we're doing is we're observing God come in to a specific event in people's lives. These people are so poor, they don't even have enough wine. Their names are not even mentioned. Nobody would know them. Cana's not a very good place. It's in Galilee to start with, and that knocks it way down. Who gives two cents about Cana, about Galilee, about some poor people's wedding up there? You just let the Son of God show up and see what happens. He thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. Now, if you want to read that text and spend all your time trying to figure out the alcohol content of the, and that somehow that contradicts scripture where Solomon said, don't pour wine in a glass and even look at it. Don't watch how it sparkles. Don't have, he didn't say he couldn't drink it. Paul told Timothy to drink some. Solomon said, good, don't, don't be staring at it. Don't, don't be, don't, don't give your heart to it. This is not about wine. What if the framework of this letter makes you think it's about alcohol? It's not, brothers and sisters. Everything about the framework tells me those 11 verses or about Jesus. When I get down to verse 10, when I get down to verse 11, then I know without a shadow of a doubt in black and white, John said, do not miss the point. This whole narrative was about Jesus because when it happened, it just happened and something happened. And when nobody could do anything, when nobody could save face, when nobody, there wasn't an excuse good enough, there wasn't a substitute good enough, there wasn't anything good enough, there wasn't, they didn't have plenty of this, and there wasn't, they, none of that. Here you go. Jesus did what Jesus does. He thus revealed his glory and people's lives changed, never to be the same again. How many times do you think people sat around a campfire and told this story? I don't think it would be out of question to say millions. And if you trust the person telling it, you hear that this happened. 2,000 years ago, you hear this happened. What on earth would you think? What's the framework of Judaism? What are they supposed to be doing? Being faithful to God, following the instruction of Moses. Who did he tell them to look for? Messiah. They're looking for him. And you hear this guy does that? If you're honest, 
No. What does this, because he did this, what does that say to all the Jews who find out he did that? Come on. He told Nathaniel what had happened when he wasn't nowhere around there. And Nathaniel said, you are the king of Israel. You are the son of God. She said, oh, Nathaniel, you see more than that. Come on. I know people start asking questions. Because it won't be long before we start getting some of them. So I'm offering that to you for your consideration. Every one of these narratives in the Gospel of John, look for the edge pieces. What does he say that connects you to what he's told you in the first 18 verses? As I promise you, all of them undergird, come out of, or point back to. John doesn't have another subject. He just clearly says that in first grade English. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. If you wrote all that down, chapter 21, the world wouldn't be big enough for the library. I'm not trying to exhaust anything. He gives us seven major ones. He says, but these are written that you very simply can choose that. Not stupidly, foolishly, or blindly. You can choose to believe that this verifiable historical information is just that, the truth. And should you have the courage to take that journey, he is the framework, brothers and sisters. He's not just the framework, he's the picture, he's the puzzle. He's the message. He's the light of the world. And that sits on our shelf all the time. Let's pray. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we love you, Father, for who you are. We thank you for telling us the truth. We thank you most specifically, Father, for telling us the truth about your son. Give us, Father, Give us opportunity to hear with our ears the truth about the person, Jesus, who is your son, who came here, who lived and died, who is resurrected and enthroned and in heaven now interceding for us with his own blood. Bless us, Father, to hear because Jesus hadn't changed one lick in 2,000 years, he hadn't changed, and if it's 10,000 years, he ain't going to change. He doesn't change. He doesn't need to. And he can walk into the darkest, most chaotic, most unfitting, most ill-equipped circumstances of our life or our world or anybody else's life or world, and he can change it all on a dime. When the powerful word of truth about him reaches the place where it belongs, which is our hearts. And we then, Father, can choose to believe it and walk forward in it. 
Please, Father, bless our listening to the Gospel of John. Bless our reading of it. Bless our consideration of it. Bless the truth of its message. So that your will and your objective, Father, is accomplished in our lives. So that we have life eternal. So that we come into the situations and the events of life. And we look to him to equip us. To share the gospel, spread the gospel. And on a more practical basis, Father, to live it like we believed it. Thank you for caring about us. Thank you for telling us the truth. And thank you, Father, for giving your son in our behalf. It's in his precious, holy, and powerful thing, name that we pray these things now. Amen. We got a closing song or are we done, brother? We're done. We're done. I'll leave you with that. Peace. <laughs>